Hey everybody, it's Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. It's a huge week in macro world, so I'll be back a couple of times this, this week talking about what's going on, Federal Reserve meeting coming up, a couple other things. So I'll be back to talk about all that and more. I was also in Trillionaire Mindset this week, so please go check that out. Love spending time with that team. They're amazing. It's always so fun. So go and check that out. I was also in Compound and Friends two weeks ago. Love them as well. Great time. So go check that out. And then also I gave a presentation at MIT so I'll have some clips of that released over the next few weeks or so but if you're an educator and you want me to come talk about the economy I, I would love to <laughs> so but today I kind of wanted to talk about who is driving the economic car vroom, vroom. so we have the stock market we have fiscal policy and we have monetary policy my dog is uh, judging me Nature is cyclical, life is cyclical, and everything is a series of seasons, right? So it's spring, winter, fall, summer. Humans reflect these aspects of nature and how we live. Cyclicality in the days, months, and years. And right now, listening to this, you are the youngest that you will ever be. And simultaneously, you're also the oldest. There's also an argument that everything that you are is everything that has ever been. So <laughs> a little bit off this soapbox. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, what the heck? But off the soapbox, all of this is important. People are the economy. People are doing all of the things that I just described. People are cyclical. The economy is cyclical. It's something that I've continuously repeated to myself over the past few weeks as I've been traveling. I was in Los Angeles. I was in New York. I was in Boston. And I had a conversation with my Uber driver in Los Angeles about the current state of affairs. And he asked me straight up, he was like, how could you be so jaded to choose money over people? When I was describing the, well, that's just how it is, isms of the Federal Reserve. He was like, mom. And I have not been able to stop thinking about that. I did a piece for Bloomberg Opinion on the three main economic players right now, fiscal decision makers, the central banks, and the markets. The markets are increasingly dictating policy as we saw in the UK recently. We are seeing demands of austerity with demands of reconciliation between fiscal and monetary policy as well. And of course, the question with these intertwined players is who is really driving the economic car? With central banks, the Federal Reserve is increasingly between a rock and a hard place. They're losing about $80 billion a year because they're raising rates, previously earning about $100 billion, so that's a huge loss. And of course, the Fed doesn't exist to make money, but it's another straw on the proverbial camel's back, right? Everyone is getting mad at them. And there's increasing backlash to monetary policy by political leaders, such as the Prime Minister of Finland and the leader of France. And the question that these leaders are asking is the question that everyone is asking, the questions that you all are asking in the comments, is why do we need to destroy the economy to fight inflation? Like, that does not make sense. In the United States, two senators, Sherrod Brown and John Hickenlooper, have openly come out to tell the Federal Reserve to slow down, which is wild. The Fed is hypothetically independent with the congressional mandate, so that sort of intervention is bizarre. Of course, midterms are coming, so they're going to do what they can, but all this shows how the interlinkage between policymakers is becoming more prevalent. Fiscal and monetary policy have never really been that separate, but now it's becoming increasingly intertwined. And then there are criticisms of the mechanics themselves, so long and variable lags to monetary policy suck. That was one thing I noticed in my interview with Mary Daly, which you should go watch as well, is that the Fed is acutely aware of the constraints to their toolkit, but it's very much we are doing what we can with what we have. With regards to fiscal policy decision makers, the Federal Reserve seriously needs supply state help, but whenever you bring up fiscal policy or government spending to people, they'll be like, well, you know, that's not right. The government is up to its eyeballs in debt. Um, 
If you pay taxes, you should want government programs to exist. Even if you don't pay taxes, you should want the government to be like, hey, people that uh, put us in charge, hypothetically, we are going to take care of you. That is where the money is meant to go. That's why we pay taxes. The government exists to govern, hypothetically. If you exist within its regulatory bounds, there should be small cheers for certain types of decision making. Why wouldn't you want the government to make life marginally better for some people? And of course, the question is the effectiveness of said policy and decision making. And is what they're doing with the money actually effective? Like, you know, there's a whole thing to be said about the military complex. That's a whole different story, but there's a good FT article that talks about the supply side of the economy, how we don't need to focus on tax cuts to boost supply, but rather we should re-examine the labor market, reform the childcare sector, redo immigration policy, build training programs, incentivize R&D, and focus on innovation. And I think most people agree with that, right? But of course, there's this thin line between governance and politicking, and that's got increasingly blurred as the United States goes into midterms, but supply-driven inflation is a huge problem that the Fed cannot fix alone. It relies on fiscal policy. It also relies on fixing the problems that we have. Right now, the Fed is just putting a band-aid on a gushing wound. Mary Daly even said this in our interview. The Fed is only responsible for 50% of the inflation that we have. Fiscal policy has to step up. There's also something to be said about like how the Fed is fixing inflation is by saying, okay, stop demanding things, stop demanding things, stop demanding things, but we're not fixing the underlying problem. And when you go to the markets, the markets are demanding austerity, not only from policymakers, but from companies too. And as we barrel into an economic downturn, and come out of, you know, 10 years of excess, that makes sense. It makes sense that markets are doing this. But as John wrote in the Wall Street Journal, the return of austerity to the UK will hopefully mean the end of bad economic plans like Mrs. Trust. Unfortunately, it will also tightly constrain good ones. The same thinking applies to markets. Both the bad and good are drained in times of worry. And of course, markets are influenced by decision makers too, like index providers. Tracy Alloway, Danny Berger, and Rachel Evans had a really great piece in Bloomberg on the power of index providers, how being put in an index controls the fates of companies and countries' access to capital markets. Market participants will mold just what the growing number of indexes and the expanding sway of their providers really means, especially when there's a sense of unease that markets are at record highs are being driven by investors teaching inflows rather than fundamentals. And that goes back to markets demanding austerity, index providers sort of directing a lot of those flows, right? Like what, what, who is doing what and why? There's also, you know, individual actors like Zuck and Elon. Basically markets are dictated by, you know, these individual actors and index providers have an increasing amount of sway and all of that. And then you have individual stocks like Meta and formerly Twitter that are basically now ruled by one guy. And, you know, the whole Elon Musk saga deserves its own video, and I can make that if there's interest. But Mark Zuckerberg is being punished heavily by the markets for going all in on the metaverse, something he clearly thinks will make money and probably will. He's put up an immense amount of personal wealth, and when you have infinite money to lose, which he does, why wouldn't you? And when criticized on the recent earnings call about what he's doing with the metaverse, he said, well, I think that those are, that are patient and invest with us will be, end up being rewarded. But patience has a price. And the, the stock market is not the economy. I made a TikTok about the Exxon CEO saying that dividends were how they were turning excess profit to the American people. Of course, people were in the comments section saying, well, that's Exxon's profit and they deserve to keep it. And as I've said many times, like you can't have green energy policy without green energy investment. And that's reflected in the continuous investment in fossil fuels and the accompanying subsidies that these fossil fuel companies get, which is, you know, to the tune of about $20 billion a year. Price gouging is a whole other thing. And yes, it applies to healthcare and pharmaceuticals and everything else that scrapes money out of people right now and truthfully deserves its own piece as well. And of course, profits are necessary to keep businesses going. Exxon will not do business if they don't make money. They're not altruistic. They do not care. Lots of people do own Exxon in their 401ks outside of ESG mandates. So people do benefit from this dividend and people are like, what are excess profits? <laughs> We're in an energy crisis and there's a responsibility that companies have hypothetically to the individuals that they're serving beyond shareholders. Some people would argue that companies only exist to serve shareholders. I would say that's a pretty bleak way of looking at 
the world. But hey, it's a nuanced and weird argument where you have incentives butting up against ideology, and that's always a sticky place to wade into. But the top 1% of Americans own about 50% of the stock market, the top 10% own 89%. So there's more that can be done in the distribution of assets, and dividends probably aren't the best way to reach the American people. And a lot of people conflate the stock market with the economy. And when you see the, you know, the sell-off in big tech that's happening now, it's kind of like, okay, woo, things are bad. The economy is the stock market to a certain degree. The big tech firms are reflecting macro lows from lower ad spend, cutbacks in consumer spending, and general uncertainty. However, the stock market might be a mirror to the economy, but the economy is not a mirror to the stock market. GDP came in higher than expected last week at 2.6%, driven by consumer spending and exports, and was heavily weighed down by residential investment and private investment housing market, right? It's a mess. The Federal Reserve is clearly slowing down the economy in some parts, housing specifically, but there are worries on how long consumers can hold on. Exports will likely be decimated by the stronger dollar moving forward, so the pluses for GDP growth are going to come under pressure. The employment cost index rose by 5% in Q3, which underlines the tight labor market, but wages didn't rise as fast as Q2. So the Fed is probably not stoked about wages rising fast, and that's the whole thing of like, oh, that's just how it has to be ism. <laughs> the Fed is not wanting wages to go up because that could lead to a wage price spiral and that could lead to more inflation. So, and they also don't want GDP to go up because that could lead to more inflationary pressures if the economy is growing. They want things to slow down. They want a softer labor market and that's not manifesting as quickly as they want. And there are arguments that the three and a half percent unemployment rate that we have isn't inflationary. It wasn't inflationary in 2019. The economy is still strong. So there's all these arguments that the Fed is like going after the wrong things, but the Fed wants softening now. And you know, patience has a price, right? The Fed will have to keep hammering with the rate hike tool in order to cool off the entire economy so inflation comes down. It seems like they're going to slow down in December, according to Nick from the Wall Street Journal, the most prominent Fed member right now. But going from 100 miles per hour to 80 miles per hour is still pretty fast. Some final thoughts. People are still feeling okay. Expectations of business owners are positive in their decision making, but not in their expectations. So people are saying that they're feeling good based on the decisions that they're making, but they're uh, based on how they're reporting, they're saying, I'm actually feeling quite bad. <laughs> and I think this is like the I've been hearing rumors economy where consumers are doing fine credit wise, but social media is an economic forcing function in its own right, where if you see all these people being like economy is sucking, you know, you're going to start experiencing that. And I, I, and of course, people are also still struggling too. The, the cost of living has gotten exorbitant. And there's this quote from Ro Khanna, if you have an economy that is shaky because you have both inflation and a looming threat of, if not recession, then declining growth, the only thing that can actually tackle both of those phenomena is an increase in productivity and an increase in production. And I feel like I've kind of talked about that in the past couple of videos. I think the biggest thing is the Fed is doing what they can with what they have. But slamming the economy into a brick wall isn't maybe the best solution. And I feel like they know that. And, you know, so many people have said this. Like, I'm not saying anything new or novel right now. There are a lot of interesting things that we can explore to boost productivity and boost production, like labor allocation policies that allow for immigration expansion. The Byzantine immigration powered the Renaissance, just to give you an idea of like how powerful it is to have immigration, working parents support, support for people with disabilities, etc. Continuous investment in traditional fossil fuel sources with some management around how profits are reinvested into more sustainable sources. I know that's unpopular. I know. That ties into other supply issues like housing affordability, etc. And I do think we need to focus on community building. So I think a lot of our current issues stem from a lack of connection and empathy because people don't really see each other. The American suburbs are necessary and I think people should be able to live there if they would like, but they are also inherently isolating. I do think some of our political fracturing is because we simply don't connect with a broader community, especially if you live in a world that is dictated by how you can get around via car. There's a poem by John Higley that I like and it's called An Address to Potential Aliens. I feel like it's fitting. Is there anybody out there? Have you got ears for this? Have you got osmosis? 
you ever say to be honest? Do you ever say for my sins? Or are sinfulness and honesty where another world begins? Do you wear a pair of glasses for maybe you have eyes? Do you start off small and increase in size but lose your sense of wonderment in the process? Do you have those things on tube trains? I don't know what they're called. Do you have things in your world that you haven't got a name for? Is it the stars you aim for? Do you ever get appalled if your brand new central heating has been shoddily installed by a bunch of cowboys? Yeah, so I'll link to everything that I've been on recently below in the description box. Love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, and I will be back a couple times this week. So make sure to hit that subscribe button so you can get notified on when I'm talking about the macro economics. <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I hope you all are doing okay. Talk to you soon.